Listeners, welcome back to the business of wellness. My guest today is the incredible founder of Recess, a CPG beverage company that I have tried. I'm sure you have tried, especially if you live in the Northeast. I feel like you have seen it um, certainly more and more in recent months and years. My my guest is the founder and CEO, Ben Witte. He is fantastic. We had an amazing conversation. I learned so much about him, about his background and experience, about the founding of Recess and what it means to run and scale a successful CPG beverage company in 2023. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I can't wait to hear from you, which I am sure that I will, of course, on social media at Jacqueline London RD everywhere and at Jacqueline London on TikTok. And feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review. Let me know what you liked about the episode, what you didn't like. If there is anything, I can only imagine there is nothing to say in that category. But uh, alas, enjoy today's episode. I can't wait to hear what you say. Ben, welcome to the business of wellness. Thank you so much for being here. I'm thrilled to have you. You are the founder of Recess, and I have so many questions for you. So let's just dive in. Let's get started. I want to hear about your background experience and how you got here. How how did you become the founder that you are today? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Um, you know, I did not uh, kind of start my career in CPG. Uh, actually, started my career uh, in Silicon Valley. Um, I was in San Francisco from 2010 to 2016, which was you know somewhat of a kind of a golden era there. And I was at two different you know very early stage uh, technology startups. You know, both in the broadly digital marketing space. You know, first company right out of college was a three-person startup that was building an influencer marketing platform uh, for social media, which was basically the right idea at the wrong time, which is too early. But I'd say it's very relevant because, uh, you know, from the earliest days, I was thinking about how do you build a brand in a, you know, digital and social media-driven world. Uh, I was at a, you know, after that, I was at a different kind of advertising technology startup where I was there from 15 people to 600 people. So I saw what kind of scaling uh, a company was like. Um, you know, but ultimately recognized that I wanted to start my own company um, and that but that my passions and strengths were better suited uh, for doing something in the kind of consumer space versus building uh, you know software for, for businesses. Um, and so I uh, kind of set out on my own um, in 2016, uh, which is you know right when it started to feel to me that uh, we were really kind of entering this new period in history driven by technology and it was leaving us all stressed out and anxious. It was right after Trump got elected. The world just started to feel like uh, it was, um, you know, going a little crazy. Um, and I have just a thesis that we were basically at the beginning uh, of this new era. Um, and in the future, people would kind of prioritize their mental wellness um, uh, to basically and basically seek out uh, solutions to better deal with stress and you know make a number of you know broad, I'd say, lifestyle changes uh, so that they can you know try and feel more calm and balanced uh, in the future. Um, and, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, I saw kind of the rise of CBD oil, adaptogenic herbs, magnesium supplements, nootropics, basically, uh, you know, new functional ingredients uh, that people were consuming primarily in supplement form uh, at the time that all had kind of the distinct value proposition of helping you reduce stress and stress uh, and, and relax. Um, and kind of the insight was re- that for what became recess was Red Bull for relaxation. Think of those ingredients as basically the inputs uh, into a new category of beverages, supplements, and you know other types of products um, that deliver you know a proposition you know of, of relaxation. Um, and uh, if you think about 
Um, you know, there's kind of two major, you know, categories of products that people use to kind of, let's call it alter their state of mind, caffeine and energy drinks and coffee that you, you know, drink throughout the day, you know, to get stimulated. Uh, alcohol uh, is, you know, fundamentally about getting intoxicated. Um, and I had this thesis that there would be, uh, you know, fundamentally new space uh, comprised of, again, multiple subcategories uh, of products uh, that were designed to help you relax. Um, and so um, you know, that became, uh, that was this, uh, you know, view of the world uh, I had um, and uh, um, kind of decided I was going to kind of create um, a company in that space. And um, I can talk about, you know, where I went from there, but that's kind of how I thought about the opportunity that we've been focused on pursuing. So, so this started, so this really started in, in earnest in 2016. Is that right? Well, the insight came in 2016. I didn't kind of have the idea until 20 around like mental wellness. And then yeah. in 2017, I had the idea for like a relaxation beverage. And then we, we uh, you know, we launched in, um, we're about approaching our fifth anniversary actually in a, in a, in a month or so. Um, so we launched in fall 2018 out of my apartment. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. As, as one does. Yes. Okay. So tell us more. So what happens? So you have this concept, you start building and what happens in, in 2018, what was your launch process like, and what was it like getting ready to go to market? Yeah. Um, so I spent about a year developing, you know, the initial brand, uh, an initial liquid, like the, you know, the, the, the drink itself, what with, you know, different partners, um, and, um, you know, in addition to having, I'd say this thesis around this, you know, new proposition and new category that, w- that was going to emerge, um, you know, had other, I'd say a, a, a number of other kind of, I'd say unique insights at the time, um, back in 2018 in the CPG industry, no one was talking about digital, both from a distribution perspective, you know, the e-commerce, uh, as well as digital brand building perspective. Um, so we were, you know, one of the first, you know, CPG brands to launch direct to consumer, uh, before we went into retail. Uh, we were very well known for, you know, our Instagram uh, and, you know, still are, but no one was really talking about, you know, connecting from a beverage industry standpoint, like connecting with consumers, you know, in social media. Mm-hmm. And we really kind of developed a, a very kind of unique um, Instagram strategy that was, um, we became very, very well known for, um, which I can talk about. Yes. Uh, Let's, let me stop you there. Tell us, tell us about that, because I think a lot of people don't and are curious about the specific and unique strategy of a direct-to-consumer brand in the CPG space. So, so tell us, tell us everything. Yeah. Um, well, look, I'd start with, if you look at the recess brand, um, I, you know, I, I kind of described it as like a narrative driven brand, you know, everyone else was marketing the CBD, just the ingredients itself. And right. we really, um, took a more of a, much more of a brand forward approach, similar to what happened in energy drinks. Like that, it was very inspired by, you know, what Red Bull and Monster did, what Gatorade did, and they're not marketing, you know, caffeine and electrolytes. They're marketing, you know, this feeling, establishing kind of a, a lifestyle brand in a, in a brand world. And so- Red Bull gives you wings, if you will. Yes. And in our <laughs> case, like the, the message is an antidote to modern times, uh, take a recess yeah. so you can feel calm, cool, collected. Uh, so it's a very, um, I'd say, easy to understand uh, concept and communicate. Um, and- um, you know, also, you know, I really believe that, you know, the beverage business is really the feelings business. If you think about it, like Coca-Cola is about, you know, happiness. Again, Red Bull is, you know, about kind of energy and stimulation. You go all the way down the line if you think about like how alcohol brands kind of position themselves. And so, um, you know, we created this, um, 
I'd say, you know, unique kind of visual uh, language that was, um, um, you know, entirely illustrated. Um, and we did, you know, unique things like personify the cans. And we had this you know, very unique brand voice, um, which, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek. I kind of describe it as like a social commentary on the millennial existence. Like if you look at our Instagram content, it was really kind of speaking to all of the, you know, the issues that, you know, any one of us, you know, uh, as a you know, millennial or, or younger person was kind of living through in a, in a very kind of tongue in cheek way. Um, and so, yeah, our kind of unique marketing approach was really at, you know, more around like kind of entertaining content and content that elicited emotion more than, you know, I'd say how like traditional supplement companies and, you know, uh, CPG companies market where there's more just marketing kind of the features. Um, and so that was, that was very effective. You know, we did, um, once we started, you know, first market, we went into, uh, uh, um, uh, once, once we went from, you know, digital to, 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 to retail, the first market we went into was New York, um, in like 2019. And, you know, we basically got everywhere, you know, very quickly. And we did a, a pop-up in New York called recess IRL that we were very well known for. Um, if you look at the pictures, it felt kind of, you were walking into our Instagram, uh, so to speak, and we would host, you know, events there with different creative partners and brand partners, um, you know, a couple nights a week for like six months. And so that was another kind of unique uh, thing we did uh, that helped really put us on the map. Um, uh, let me, let me stop you there. Cause I want to, I want to learn more about this particular part of the strategy. So your brand partners in the beginning, who, who were they, what, and what were some of the activations that you were doing at the, at the recess live in-person experience? I mean, we would have, you know, we did dating events with Bumble and Hinge. We did, you know, events with Infatuation. We did um, stuff with Mad Happy. We did a custom can with opening ceremony. We did um, comedy shows, concerts, all number of things, right? Um, um, so it would, yeah. Uh, so it kind of ran the gamut. Um, but there was, we would, you know, there, we, it was, it was really, uh, um, I'd say, uh, an impactful thing for us, you know, in the early days. I think it's amazing. I mean, I think it really plays into the the next generation of Coca-Cola to to of of Coca-Cola marketing, I should say, mm-hmm. not the actual product, yeah. but the marketing. And and you speak to it so well about the evoking that actual feeling. But what does that feeling really mean? And what is the experience, the lived experience of someone who is taking a recess for a second that is actually just needing a little bit of a mental or physical break or both? Someone who just kind of like needs to um you know, I want to say log off, but it's not really logging off because, you know, you're still, you still got brand partners like Hinge and Bumble, which require holding the phone and, you know, the, the whole, um, Instagram in real life experience, I think is really integral to everything that you're talking about. But I think it's really amazing because in my opinion, and, you know, I've spent so much time in CPG and I feel like I've seen, there's very few things that, that I haven't seen at this point. (laughs) But one thing I certainly know for sure is that you guys were at the forefront of this and especially that Coca-Cola 2.0 kind of mindset of like bringing that feeling really to life and doing it in a way that's really, really conscious and mindful and curated and understanding of what your unique customer is going through and experiencing. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about that kind of moment in time of feeling a lot of unrest, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, and, and I don't, I would argue that we're still in that. So perhaps oh, yeah. your brand is more relevant than ever. Totally. Oh yeah. Um, no, I think, I mean, that's the, you know, the thesis of this space is that we are, 
if you think about how long, obviously alcohol and caffeine have been around since eternity, right. you know, energy drinks, even as a category is, it's like 40 years old. Red Bull was started in the eighties. Um, and so I think, you know, we're really like in year five of this you know, space. And again, I don't think the future is going to be less stressful than it is today, or people are going to be uh, not prioritize or prior, you know, I think people are only going to be prioritizing their mental wellness more in the future than they are today. And, these me- there's mega trends here around like alcohol moderation. I think we're in the very, very, very early stages of this. Um, and so, um, you know, new, there's not that many, you know, fundamentally new categories and spaces, you know, that emerge in CPG, but, you know, when they do, um, they create, you know, really, really large opportunities. Yeah. So where, and, and I want to go back in just a moment, but I would love to hear from you about where, how you feel like you're the brand has evolved over the past five years. Yeah, so I mean, you know, not, another big part of the the thesis, you know, that I had was um, that a big part of the future of CPG would be uh, brand platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the past, you know, a product was just like a single skewer. It was really divided by flavors. So Coca Cola, there was Coca Cola, there was Sprite. You know, there was yeah. Dr. Pepper, there's, you know, uh, and so that's how kind of brands were divided more on like kind of a flavor. A dimension. Um, but in the case of how I viewed the relaxation space, uh, I kind of envisioned multiple subcategories you know, that would exist within it of different products that fill kind of different usage occasions in consumers' lives. So, um, you know, we have kind of functional relaxation beverages. That's where our recess CBD line and recess mood line play. And I can come back to that. Uh, we have a line of mocktails, uh, which is kind of a, you know, directly an alcohol alternative that uh, are designed for more kind of social settings. We have uh, a line of uh, powders and supplements. Um, so like think like liquid IV, but for calm. Um, and so those are stick packs. So you can take a recess on the go. Um, um, and we have tubs, you know, for kind of at-home use. Um, and so, um, you know, how the brands evolved is kind of we've really become this broad brand platform. Um, so we started, you know, with a, a CBD and adaptogen-infused uh, sparkling water. Uh, we then launched uh, a line called Recess Mood, which leverages magnesium uh, and adaptogens. And we launched that in both uh, uh, you know, beverage form uh, as well as powders. And now that you know, makes up about 65% of the business. And then most recently, we launched a line of uh, ready-to-drink mocktails. Um, so think, uh, you know, we have a Recess Margarita, Paloma, Moscow Mule, Mojito. So it's her favorite cocktail without the alcohol and enhanced with functional ingredients to give you kind of a calming uh, but uplifting uh, effect. Um, and so we've really kind of taken this brand platform approach, uh, which I think is, you know, a big, big part of the future. Um, and I think there's a bunch of examples um, in, in kind of uh, in terms of how the big you know, beverage companies, you know, think about it, right? Like Topo Chico just used to be, you know, in a glass bottle and now it's in hard seltzer, mocktail, cocktails, um, flavor, you know, different flavors, um, Gatorades across many, many different, you know, product lines now. So, um, you know, I think Recess is this brand platform that's meant to, you know, represent relaxation uh, across different formats. Um, and so from the early, you know, that's a, that, that's been a big kind of evolution uh, for the brand and is uh, I'd say critical to, to our success. So let's just imagine someone hearing you right now thinking, okay, I am relaxed, but I, or I'm not relaxed. <laughs> I think that's probably most people listening to you right now thinking I'm not relaxed. Um, but okay. Let's say you're, you're someone who feels like they're not relaxed, but they are looking for something that feels like 
more focused or conscious energy versus like is recess the product for someone who's looking for a sleep aid, for example, because I think I just want to make sure that that our mm-hmm. listeners are clear on the kind of distinction that I think you guys really make as yeah. brand, if they're not already familiar with the brand. Yeah, um, it's a good question. You know, what I'd say is um, kind of people you people find, you know, use the product however they, you know, feel is best for them. Like some people right. will drink recess in the morning to start the day calm. Others will drink it, you know, really literally right before bed and it helps them sleep. Yeah. Uh, others will drink it, you know, throughout the day uh, while they're working at lunch or while they're working instead of a coffee and it helps them focus. I'd say the primary occasion is, you know, in the evening. Uh, for, you know, basically instead of like a weeknight glass of wine. And so uh, we very deliberately kind of kept the brand positioning um, as, you know, focused on helping you unwind and feel calm, which, you know, is relevant for different people at different moments throughout their day. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing I'd say is that, you know, functional ingredients impact everyone differently. Um, yes. Thank uh, you for saying that. The, <laughs> yeah. I've always used the example of like, you know, my dad can drink a double espresso at 2 a.m. and go to bed. Yes. Many Same. people can't do that. <laughs> Obviously, people react to alcohol differently. And I think what I find is like the same is true here. Um, for some people, um, again, helps them focus. Others people, you know, it really puts them to sleep. It's really kind of a, a personal thing. But, you know, fundamentally, uh, it's around the idea of helping you uh, feel calm, feel balanced and, and unwind in healthier ways. Mm. So I want to go back to something that I noticed about the brand from the jump, which is the packaging. I think the packaging is so unique and really special because it it truly stands out and it certainly it certainly stood out even more so in when you first launched. I would say it still does because it still has a very unique look and feel to it and I think it really evokes what what your brand really stands for. But I wonder if you could speak a, a little bit about that. How did you come up with the packaging? How was the design um set or set into motion and where where how has it evolved over time especially now seeing some of the other beverages that have emerged in the category where do you think of of recess in in that space mm-hmm. um let's see so it's a core part of the the philosophy uh, of the brand architecture that i described was uh, kind of created a brand that marketed the feeling not the ingredients right yes. um and yeah. so uh, everyone else was viewing like CBD in these, you know, as like a CBD beverage and they were leaning yes. into the ingredients versus I was like, you know, more focused on marketing the feeling, um, and establishing the usage occasion. Um, and so, uh, I really believe in like kind of starting with the story, um, and then kind of yeah. get to like the visual versus the other way around. Um, and so, um, you know, that I'd say that the, um, the you know how we thought about kind of I, I didn't come up with the name but I was working with uh, a friend's agency and um, you know again it was what's a name that kind of again helps us you know articulate the value proposition and uh, the, the use case that you know we were uh, focused on and kind of recess taking a recess you know school recess was it, like is a, is a yeah. perfect name it's perfect um, it's exactly what I like I, I feel like you I if I am your target consumer then you certainly nailed it yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, um, in terms of like, I'd say the visual, you know, I saw an opportunity, you know, most beverages or all CBG products are really loud and, um, um, you know, we're really focused on marketing, like the features and all these different certifications and stuff like that. I'm just like, no, like just, it's about recess. Like, and so the can is very minimalist. Um, and, uh, uh, um, and, uh, I think, 
you know, especially at retail where it's very crowded, I think our simple and minimalist can juxtaposed and contrasted to all the other products helps us, you know, really, really stand out. And so uh, I really think, you know, just believe in kind of getting to the essence, you know, of the idea um, and kind of communicating it um, with as few words as possible um, is another kind of core belief, like how can you convey, um, you know, why you exist in as few words as possible. Um, so someone can kind of understand, you know, how it fits into their, live, their lives. Um, I think our mocktail line is a, is a good example of that. And there's a huge amount of like alcohol alternatives out there now. You know, most of them, I don't know what they are, right? Like, I don't, I don't know like what totally. I'm supposed to feel or what it's supposed to taste like versus recess. We're like, we're trying to recreate, you know, your favorite cocktails, you know, without the alcohol. So yeah, again, margarita, ploma, Moscow mule, like it's in, in, when you look at the label, it's very, uh, you know, conveys that very clearly. I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to share this example with you and with our listeners for the moment. Are you familiar with the brand Kin Organics? Sure. Yes. Yes. So, I, I mean, what surprised me the most about this brand in particular <laughs> is if you have, if listeners, if you're hearing this now and you're like, well, huh? what is Kin Organics? It's, it's, um, it's a Hadid sister and someone else. I'm not sure which one. I'm not sure which Hadid. I think it's Gigi. Bella. Bella. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Listen, we had a 50-50 shot. Could be either one. <laughs> Could be either one. But I, I what I found really uh, sort of like shocking about the actual product is if you turn around the product and you look beyond all the claims and the slightly more maximalist packaging, there the serving size is two ounces. So something that like as a dietitian, like I'm looking at this going, okay. Yes. I mean, most people are not pouring a cocktail that is two ounces. We can barely get people to pour wine in five ounces, right? So here we are with a two ounce cocktail that perhaps you add to sparkling water or you add to some, or you mix with water or you don't, or you just drink it out of basically a shot glass and half. I, I wonder, you know, the, the, then the proposed or the purported health claims about the product are really relevant to two ounces. So for example, like I took a sip of this, I want to say I tried this about last year. I took a few sips that was before I read the serving size and already I was like, whoa. <laughs> and it turns out like there's quite a bit of caffeine actually in the product. And I'm thinking like, this is not obvious to the, to the everyday consumer, to the person who is seeking a product like this, which is why I think it's so smart that you have gone with the marketing of feeling first, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're not making these broad claims about CBD, about the other ingredients that are in the product. They're there, but they're not, that's not the main storytelling component. Whereas Kin is promising all types of things that you're going to feel. They've got a whole, like you're meant to go through their like astrological chart when you go on their website. Yeah. And I'm like, this is too much for me. Like, this is really like, this has taken things to a new level. So I want to, I want to kind of use that, that, story there as a segue to talk a little bit more about the about choosing to use CBD in recess. So mm -hmm. because it's not the focus, tell us about your process of, of learning about CBD and implementing it into the actual product. Yeah, I would. So I first clarify that uh, CBD is only in one product line, which represents oh, that's right. okay. less than Thank 18% you. Yes. Of, our, of our business now. Okay. And so in some way, you know, adaptogens uh, are, are actually go across kind of all of our product lines um, and adaptogens are essentially like a class of herb um, botanical that, you know, have the common property uh, of, of helping you uh, achieve balance and kind of equilibrium. Um, and, uh, you know, an ingredient like L-theanine, which is in every single mm -hmm. one of our SKUs, uh, is extremely well studied uh, and yeah. supported. Um, and so, um, look, I'd say, you know, our process is, you know, 
um, um, you know, looking at the science and, 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 you know, what ingredients, you know, have uh, support, you know, for the propositions, you know, that we are interested in. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we're not like a single ingredient company. Uh, again, we have we use kind of CBD adaptogens. Magnesium is a vast majority uh, of our business and magnesium has a tremendous amount uh, of support behind it. And in fact, we use this unique form of magnesium called magnesium L3 and 8, mm. uh, which was a, a form of magnesium that was discovered by this MIT neuroscientist, which is the only form of magnesium that crosses the blood brain barrier and catalyzes dopamine and serotonin production. Um, it kind of, again, fits perfectly, you know, within, you know, what we're trying to, you know, the, the, the idea of, of recess and um, so, you know, we've made a number of, I'd say like early bets on ingredients that have, uh, you know, got, you know, then taken off when we, when we launched the first version of recess, you know, CBD was, you know, it was an early bet on CBD, but no one was talking about adaptogens. I'm pretty sure we were like one of the first CBD yeah. brands to even use the term adaptogens. Um, and in some ways, like we're an adaptogen company, um, right. that was it, you know, we were very much ahead of our, like, I'd say kind of, uh, catalyzed, you know, that space and. Definitely same, same is true with magnesium. And so, um, um, but yeah, I have a fortunate, incredible, you know, head of supply chain, incredible in-house kind of formulator, uh, our kind of director of product marketing is a, a dietitian. And so we spent a huge amount of time uh, on ingredient sourcing and, you know, making sure we're using the right uh, doses uh, in, in our, um, in, in each of our SKUs uh, and kind of aligning that to kind of serving size, kind of as you alluded to. And, but also not making any over the top claims, which is you know, really important uh, in the industry. I can't thank you enough for that. <laughs> I really appreciate that because I do, I think this, that is really the main, if I could point to a mistake that it's almost like the rest of the industry is making, it is over promising and therefore under delivering always, right? Because it's like the more of these claims that you see and the more you see them at the supermarket and everywhere, you become both inundated, but also the expectation just continues to be naturally. It's like the bar is continuing to be raised higher without any ability to actually deliver on an on an individual level. So I think it's like an extremely risky game for so many others in the space to be playing at this moment in time. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I want to ask you about your supply chain process. So your your sourcing, and then the other thing, of course, we need to get into a little bit more is um is is the the future of the brand today. But I want to start with the, with the supply chain. So how did your supply chain come together? Where are you sourcing ingredients from? Something that immediately stood out to me on your website that I loved is that you have American ginseng on there as like front and center as an ingredient because I think like this elevated consciousness for consumers about where ingredients are actually being sourced from is becoming only more significant and important, especially as consumers are just more and more educated than ever and more mm -hmm. informed than ever about, about ingredients and wanting to know where things are coming from. So, so walk us through the, the process, your supply chain, where are things coming from? How are you sourcing ingredients and, um, and how have you created a sustainable model to actually do that? Yeah. So look, the first thing I would say is, um, I, um, um, you know, given that I didn't come from the industry, um, I, I brought on a very senior chief supply chain officer very early on. She was 20 years at Cure Dr. Pepper and, uh, was a chief supply chain officer at Buy. And so when you're operating kind of at that scale, um, making yeah. sure you're kind of sourcing, um, uh, you know, having a very strong process around ingredient sourcing, uh, and quality control, uh, is critical and paramount and, you know, that you're doing the proper tests, uh, to ensure what you say is in the can is in the can. And so, 
uh, I would uh, first, you know, start with um, I have you know incredibly strong team uh, that that, that kind of manages you know this all. Um, you know, I know when we're exploring new product lines, when we're considering what you know ingredients to utilize, um, you know, we're looking at a number uh, of different potential ingredients that align to a proposition you know, that we're interested in, and you know, evaluating the science you know behind the functional ingredient and you know, does it uh, do what we want it to do, you know, from a you know you know for for people. Uh, and then once we align on you know an ingredient that we're interested in, we're you know talking you know meeting with you know multiple suppliers, um, and there's you know a bunch of different factors to you know to decide you know who we end up you know uh, purchasing you know from. Uh, but uh, obviously, um, you know it's very clear you know who is kind of buttoned up and has um, the you know strong quality controls and you know certifications and, and support versus you know who, who doesn't. Um, so that's I know been a, you know a, a big factor. Um, and then awesome. uh, you know, the final piece, I'd say, is just like ongoing testing throughout the entire production process uh, mm -hmm. from when the ingredient arrives to, um, you know, the finished good and making sure that in every batch we have the, we have, you know, the proper amount of, you know, ingredients, you know, that we, you know, say is in, you know, in the product, it is in fact in the product. So. Awesome. Can can we switch gears again for a second, and then and then I I promise we'll get into some of the more macro topics. But I, mm -hmm. I want to ask you one more question, just a, just based on your experience as a CPG founder, because it's mm -hmm. not every day we have a CPG founder here on this podcast, and I feel like my listeners would just have a lot to gain from your insight and experience. What was what was the process like? For you of becoming a founder in CPG, given that you didn't come from from food and beverage, and and this was sort of a transition for you, what was that like? Walk us through that, and and what was sort of the most surprising thing for you as a founder of this product? Yeah, um, let's see. Um, I'd say, well, it did help uh, that I came from um, you know Silicon Valley and kind of startup. You know, I've been at startups because um, I do think there's an element of like. You know, creating a company and a business, depending no matter what industry is, you know, there's a fundamental kind of um, similar set of uh, dynamics that you know that go into that. And I think the most important one is kind of recognizing, you know, what are your strengths, um, and then you know, what are you do you not have experience in, or you know, what are your weaknesses even, and finding the right people uh, to collaborate with you, to collaborate with, to to kind of help. Um, do those things. And so obviously I did not, I'd never done any consumer marketing before, even though I'd say I have very strong kind of instincts, but I'm not a graphic designer. I'm not a copywriter. So I found amazing partners to help me kind of build out the brand. Uh, I'm not a, you know, a drink formulator. And so I, you know, found an amazing, you know, a, an amazing underappreciated formulator, formulator to help me, you know, make the liquid. Um, and so it was all I'd say about, I think it's just so important to bring in the right people at the right time. Uh, to help you kind of create and um, execute uh, on your vision. Um, and so I think I did that, you know, very well and surrounded myself with, you know, very experienced people uh, across different facets of the business. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, what surprised, surprised me, um, let's see. I would say, you know, like the supply chain stuff is very complex. Um, and uh, I think... Um, you know, if you, you know, are able to get the resources to have someone, you know, who has experience, you know, uh, in, in that, uh, I think that's extremely, you know, beneficial. Um, 
because, um, you know, to your point around just even maintaining, you know, quality, there's a certain set of processes uh, and questions to ask that, that go into that. And if you know, if you have no experience there, uh, it, it, you know, it would be somewhat difficult, um, um, I, I think, to figure out properly. And then, um, so I think supply chain is a big one. And then finance, I'd say in CPG, it's very important. Um, you know, it's fundamentally around like a cash flow management business. If you think about it, you're buying the ingredients and materials way ahead of like when you're getting paid for it, right? And that only becomes, you know, more um, complex over time uh, as you scale, as you enter different types of retailers that have different payment terms. And so I think really understanding, you know, that stuff uh, early on um, is critical um, and I think somewhat underappreciated. Um, and the CPG business is a, is a really, really hard business. I think it's pretty easy to, you know, create a brand and initial prototype. Um, and it's pretty hard to scale. Right. And uh, I see, I think it's something like 98% of, you know, CPG businesses that are started never get above 10 million in sales or something like that. Um, And so, um, um, and so, yeah, those are kind of two areas that I'd say, I think were uh, somewhat underappreciated, you know, going into it. The thing that is the most surprising to me and perhaps the the most overwhelming thing that you just mentioned there is that when you when you're the founder of something anything i, I mean it, but in particular certainly like a, a cpg beverage brand like it seems like a pretty big deal then if i may so say so myself but i mean when you're when you're a founder how like that detachment from I'll give you an example. Like I, I sort of marvel at what I see on social media. And I think that's why it's particularly interesting that you, that, that where we started this conversation talking about building the brand from the, how do you want to feel having mm-hmm. this product or drinking the beverage, right? It It's amazing to me to, to kind of build through that process and go mm-hmm. through the, and really understand that customer journey, that customer experience of what it's like to actually interact with the product, to consume the product, to be someone who buys the product repeatedly. Right. I, I, what is it like to, to effectively say, I'm close to this. Mm-hmm. I'm the founder. I'm really close to it. Right. But I'm going to sort of trust, like make this vision broader Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know that I'm making sense with that question. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, yeah. it feels like sometimes really personal. Like it's it's yeah. hard to separate yourself from the actual product. Yeah. Like I would say, I think in the earliest parts of the journey, like you almost build the product for yourself, like in your friends. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. Um, I think you should be your first customer um, right. and you should design, you know, if, if someone else was creating this product for me, like how would I want it to taste and how would I want it to be marketed and, things like that, I think it's a good place to start. And then as you get more customers, they'll, you know, there'll be different types of people than you expected that use it in different types of ways than you expected. And I think it's really about listening to your customers um, and let, letting them take you where you should go next, right? There are many aspects of process that I did not consider in, in the early days. Like I didn't, for, for example, expect it to be used primarily as an alcohol alternative. Yeah. Uh, it right. was actually the uh, original thesis was more of like an afternoon coffee replacement exclusively. And that's still a use case. But what we saw is like, you know, our customers really uh, primarily, you know, began to drink it in the evening instead of like a glass of wine. And so we kind of reoriented the brand positioning and that led us to, to kind of lean into the, you know, the mocktail space, et cetera. And so 
And I think, again, just to summarize, like start with yourself as the initial customer right. and then listen to, you know, your customers um, and uh, uh, expand and evolve uh, with them. Is there one piece of feedback that you heard continuously along the way un- until you did it, right? Like something that you ultimately wound up doing because you heard it from customers so frequently? Um, let's see. I mean, the, the mocktail is actually a good example of this. Like yeah. we had a, um, so I had a thesis around like the opportunity for mocktails, I don't know, back in 2020. Um, so we first, before like creating a dedicated line for it, we did a limited edition recess margarita as a mm. part of our CBD line and uh, customers were like, obsessed with it. Um, it sold out immediately and people were begging for it to come back or become permanent. That makes me uh, thirsty just here. I'm like, yeah, I could really go for one of those right now. Yeah, I'll send you some. <laughs> but um, that, uh, um, so that was an example of like having a hypothesis, you know, running essentially an experiment and then seeing the feedback from the customers and then kind of listening to them who insisted, you know, we, uh, you know, kind of make it permanent. Now we made it, instead of making it a flavor as part of the CBU line, we made it its own line with a different set of functional ingredients. Uh, but uh, you know, that was, um, you know, our customers were telling us they wanted, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, mocktail flavors basically. So given that you guys started as, as direct to consumer and now I, and I live in New York, by the way, so I have mm-hmm. been seeing you guys in supermarkets since not even supermarkets, bodegas everywhere since, <laughs> since 2019, which is awesome. What, what is the, give us the customer journey, the, the customer acquisition journey. What is that like? Where does it start? And, and how does that evolve? Um, let's see. Um, let's say, I mean, in the early days, it was just like kind of, uh, our content marketing and kind of the events yeah. we did just or completely organically. We didn't know paid marketing, I think for the first, you know, 18 months of recess. Um, it was all kind of organic content marketing and press and, and things like that. Um, and then, you know, I'd say recently now we're focused on, uh, we're still about 60% e-com, 40% retail, actually. Our Amazon business is growing rapidly. Um, uh, the whole business is growing rapidly, but Amazon Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of the engine. And um, the way I think about it is like all of the media that we're spending to drive our Amazon business um, also benefits our retail business. So we're actually doing very, very little brand marketing kind of in the grand scheme of things relative to like what's possible. Um, and so, yeah, my, 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 one of my thesis is that if you have a, a profitable kind of e-commerce business, you know, all your efforts to drive that business also benefit your retail business. And there's yeah. this like you know, interesting kind of business flywheel uh, dynamic to it. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's kind of there's yeah, there's a lot more to it than that, but I'd say that's you know the the say the primary thought process. Awesome. All right, so let's switch gears. Tell us about what you're seeing trend wise in food and beverage CPG. What give us a, a kind of lay of the land from from your standpoint as a founder? What have you seen, and particularly even we can take this from from the the sort of 2016 time of inception of the brand yeah. or just in the last few years, maybe post pandemic, but what have you seen kind of pop up more and more in CPG food and beverage trends, especially yeah. in the for you space? So I'll start with like, you know, the summarizing the trends that I think that drove recess, but like I said, at the yeah. beginning, basically consumers focus on mental wellness, uh, which I think creates a number of different lifestyle changes, including like reducing alcohol consumption, alcohol moderation, which created the opportunity for alcohol alternatives, 
uh, I think products that help you reduce stress, help you sleep better, help you focus, right? Help you relax. Um, that's where recess is playing. And I think that's, you know, a mega, mega trend. And, and there's a lot of different kind of subcategories uh, within that. Um, I look at, you know, major trend is like kind of these, you know, like, like almost like healthy indulgences is kind of what I would call them. So, you know, Olipop and Poppy are like better for you soda, you know, midday squares is a, you know, better for you oh, chocolate. Midday squares. Yeah. High marks on those. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's like a, a mega trend um, that I think, you know, there's still a lot, a lot of opportunity, you know, for, um, I think, you know, just functional everything, like, um, yeah. I think better for you, quote unquote, is like this, you know, term used for so long, it kind of meant like less bad, right? Just like lower yeah. sugar or calorie. And now I think people are looking for obviously that, like low sugar, low cal, but, uh, with kind of added function, uh, uh as well. Um, and so, you know, I think those are, you know, those are a couple of the trends I see. There's, you know, a lot, lot more like around, um, that I can speak to, but those are some big ones. Are there any others for 2024 that you think like, okay, this is about to pop off. Like this is something I saw, I don't know, let's say at Expo East or West, or I'm not sure how much time you spent into any of these trade shows, but like, is there anything that you're like, okay, I think this is the next thing. Um, Not, look, I'd say the healthy indulgences is, is like is like a is a is a big one um that I'd say continuing to to grow. And I think the alcohol alternative space, um, like at Expo, again, we play there, so it's somewhat selfish, but um uh if you look at Expo East, like that was like the hottest new yeah. trend. So I think that's a you know, look at what like the big alcohol companies are doing. So I think that's probably the um, you know, the 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 one of the biggest you know, I, I think the biggest trend, you know, that I see that's creating a, a lot of opportunity. Before I let you go, I, I have two more quickies to ask. Yeah. The first is just to to wonder what where do you see the future of recess? Is your goal acquisition? Is your goal to uh to start making acquisitions? <laughs> where would you like to be in the next 10 years, let's say? Five, 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Um yeah, we're again, like I said, we're just approaching our our, our fifth anniversary. So the past five years was I'd say about you know, building out our brand platform, uh, building out, you know, our initial kind of distribution, uh, you know, system, both, you know, on e-commerce uh, as, as well as any re retail. We're in about 16,000 retailers, you know, today and still, you know, 55, 60% of our business still comes from e-commerce. Um, so the next few years is really about scaling, you know, what we have. We do see, you know, opportunities for additional products uh, beyond what we have, but we'll be, I'd say, thoughtful with, you know, how we introduce them. Um and uh you know look i'd like to i like to think that this is you know this space is where energy drinks was you know 15 20 years ago right um and we're kind of red bull um some major retailers this year and um we're going to be rapidly you know the business doubled this year and it's going to double again at least next year um and so i'd say we're overall at like a, a, a very big inflection point you know in the business um and uh you know like i, I think there's just a tremendous amount of you know, room for growth, you know, for recess, you know, over the years to come. Um, and, uh, you know, really focused on, um, you know, scaling the existing product lines that we have and uh, reaching more customers and introdu you know, introducing, you know, uh, you know, the recess proposition, uh, you know, to, to more and more people, because I think it, you know, can't, it does make a big people, a big difference in people's lives. And so, you know, that's kind of the focus for the foreseeable future.
That's awesome. All right. So Ben, Witty, you've got to answer our final question of this podcast, which is what is the most bullshit, nonsense, garbage, wellness product service that you have seen in recent months, uh, years? You can answer that however you like. <laughs> um, well, you know, because we you know still play the CBD space a, a little bit, I always was blown away just how many... Um, I think, you know, if you're irresponsible, like cannabis products out, you know, are, are out there, or whether they're CBD right. products that claim they, you know, cured COVID or these like Delta <laughs> HC stuff. And so um, I'm, uh, we're trying to have been like the kind of responsible actor, you know, within that space. And so it's always unfortunate to see, um, you know, you know, other companies that aren't being as responsible as we are. So I love it. That's a perfect answer for you. Thank you for sharing that with us. And tell us where can we learn more about you and where can we find out more about Recess? Yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter at bwitty, B-W-I-T-T-E, and then Recess is takearecess.com uh, and at takearecess uh, on Instagram. Uh, and we're also on Amazon. So just search for Recess on Amazon uh, if you'd like to try some. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to The Business of Wellness. I'm your host and executive producer, Jacqueline London. Remember that advice provided on this podcast is based on my application of research and practice as a registered dietitian and should not replace medical advice provided by your physician. If you like what you're listening to, please follow the show, leave a five-star rating, and share something you love from today's episode by leaving a review. This podcast only grows with your support. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it far and wide. It may be the one thing someone needs to hear to start building that roadmap today to secure a healthier, happier future. That's it for now. So until next time, cheers.